Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Now in the last three weeks, we've been unpacking uh, our vision, and, and, and that is our mission vision. All of that stuff like you read in books, like mission and vision and all that, it's so complex, and, and this is what I like to say. This is why we exist. Like, is it your mission? Is it your vision? I don't know. This is why. This is our why. We know what we do. We're a church. We know how we do it. We've got a ton of values uh, of how we go about doing church, but this is why we do it. And we've been looking at this for the last three weeks, and it says we exist to lead people to pursue the presence of God. We spent our entire first week on that first line. What does it mean to lead people? What kind of people? How do we lead them? What do we want to lead them into? And uh, what does it mean to lead them into the pursuit of the presence of God? Why is that so important? Why is that vital that, that we lead people into his presence? We believe, man, like it's one of my core convictions of my life that we were created to be in the presence of God. We were never meant to be foreigners in the house of God. We were never meant to be outsiders. We have been created to have an intimate son and daughter relationship with God. And so we want to lead people into that pursuit of, of uh, pr- the presence of God. So that, here's the, the, the result of leading people to pursue the presence of God, is so that they, the people who are pursuing the presence of God, openly display his love, grace, and power. And we spent the whole second week talking about what does it mean to openly display? Do I have to get a, a, a box and set it on the corner of Battlefield and Volvo and preach to people as they drive up and down the road? No. That's, if God tells you to do that, by all means, be obedient to the Holy Spirit. But to openly display means to be the fragrance of Christ in the world, man, so that when people get near you, they sense that something's different. To be so full of the presence that the presence just emanates from your very being. And then last week, just like we said with the outreach team interest meeting, we talked about what it means to go throughout Hampton Roads. Why do we say that? What does is, what is home look like? And, and maybe God has called some of us not to go off to some distant place. Man, praise God for missionaries. Praise God for people who are taking the gospel all around the world. But most of us are going to be like the guy who Jesus delivered the legion of demons out of. He's going to tell us, hey, go home. Start here before you go there. And so we, we said that. And if you missed any of that or you're like, hey, that sounds kind of interesting, I'm down. Um, check it out on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. All three videos are up. If you don't do videos and you do podcasts, check it out on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcast. Uh, you could download all of those available right there. So uh, we're going into week four. So we're not necessarily unpacking any of this statement anymore. Uh, but it is something that is pretty pivotal that we're going to talk about today. And and the way I want to kind of jump into this, think back to the last time you were you were just consumed with with a purpose. Like you were you were on mission. Here, here's what I mean. Like you're so focused. Think about think about the last time company came to your house, right? And you were like, we're getting this house clean today. Put the, put the phone down, son. We're cleaning this house. Put the Xbox down, husband. Hello. We're cleaning this house. Get the, get the dryer sheets out. We're running along the baseboards. We're cleaning this house. It's a, like you were just focused, right? Like you were zeroed in. Um, think, about, think about, guys, maybe you recognize this. Like when your wife gives you a list to go to the store. 
Hello, somebody like, I've got a list. Get out of my way. Shut your mouth, sample lady. I don't want none. I've got a list, right? Anybody like that? When you go to the store and you've got a list, it's like, leave me alone because if you break my focus, I'm not going to get the whole list and I'm going to be in trouble when I get home. And I don't want to be in trouble. So I'm on a mission, right? Um, think about, okay, maybe everybody can kind of run with this. Think about the day before you go on vacation. I am convinced that is the most productive day any of us have all year, is the day before we go. Why can't we just work every day like the day before we go on vacation? We get so much done. It's like I'm cleaning out my email inbox. I'm cleaning out the inbox on my desk. I'm getting that project done. I'm sending that message, and bam, I got it all done. We're never more productive than that day. Why don't we just work like that all the time? I don't know. I'm just like you. I get so much done on that day. Just think about like when you were on mission and you were just laser focused in what you had to do. Jesus was like that. Jesus was on mission. He, he left us with a mission. He left us with a, a, a focus to get the, the gospel, the message of Christ out to the whole world everywhere we go, from your workplace to your classroom uh, to your soccer team, your, 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 your PTA group, you know, your neighborhood, all every country and, and, and region in the world. And, and as a church, we've been spending that time recalibrating our mission, our why. And, and today, I want to kind of continue that but really hone us in and get us fired up about mission, about what God is calling us to do. So if you have a Bible, I want to I, I encourage you to open up to Matthew chapter 9. There's a passage here where Jesus really hits at the urgency, and that's kind of what I want us to feel today, is the urgency of the mission. The, the, the urgency behind Jesus' words. And I'm, I'm preaching a sermon to you titled, WTH. Where's the harvest? Not what your sinful mind was thinking, okay? I know what some of y'all text people were thinking. That's not what I'm talking about. WTH, where's the harvest? Now, let me give you some context before we jump into this last part of Matthew chapter 9. Jesus has just spent the last couple of chapters going from town to town to town to town. And every time he shows up, there's somebody to heal there's somebody to deliver. There's, a, there's a, a dead girl that needs to be raised back to life. There's somebody who's got leprosy that needs to be healed. He's just healing and delivering and raising. And, and people are flocking around Jesus. In fact, the crowds, the multitudes are swarming him. They're, they're all around and he sees them. They're, they're hurting and the broken and the confused and the, the people living in darkness and they're all, they're all following after Jesus. And so at the end of Matthew chapter nine, it's almost like a little summary passage that Matthew puts in there to kind of summarize this whole time period in Jesus's ministry. It's, it's as if Jesus kind of sits down on a hillside and he just looks at the crowd following. And the only people close enough to him to hear what he's saying are his disciples. And, and just in this moment, he sits down and he looks out over the crowd and he pulls his guys together. He says, hey, come, come here, come here. I got to share something with you. And that's what we're going to look at today. Matthew chapter nine, pick up with verse 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. So, Let's do this before we read verse 36. Let's just take a moment 
you know, we, said, we said it was kind of like Jesus is sitting down on the hillside. Let's just take a moment and sit down with Jesus, okay? Let's just, in your, minds, in, your, in your mind's eye, your imagination, whatever you want to call that, let's just, let's just sit down with Jesus on the hill and imagine being there with him. You've been traveling. You've been, you've been going through, through you know, mission after mission. You've been reaching person after person, traveling all around, sleeping out in the, uh, in the open sky, sleeping in people's houses. He's, he's teaching. He's announcing. He's declaring. He's healing. And, and you're, just, you're, you're excited, but you're a little exhausted because the pace has just been nonstop, right? And you're sitting there with Jesus. And then verse 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, as we're sitting with Jesus this morning, let's just sit down with him and imagine the crowds. You're sitting on the hill with Jesus, kind of relaxed, and you look out, because you're at the top of the hill, and you look out below, and you're just, it's just a multitude of people. It's a multitude. And, and you're with Jesus, so you know that he's seeing every hurt every betrayal, every physical infirmity. He's seeing it all from where he sits and we're sitting beside him. And so when Jesus looks out on the crowd, just imagine you're with him and you're looking out over this just vast multitude of people. And look what, look what Matthew tells us. He, when he saw the crowd, crowds, he had compassion on them. So as Jesus is sitting there on the hill, He's, he, maybe you look at him and he's, he's got this one tear coming out of his eye as he just looks out over the, the people who are following him. And you can, you're sitting so close to him, you can actually begin feeling. It's, it's like it's not, it's not um, tangible, but it's totally unmistakable. Like you can't touch it, but you can't miss it. You just start feeling the love emanate from Jesus as he looks out over the crowd. Matthew says he has compassion on them because look what he says. He says, they were confused and helpless. Another translation says they were harassed and helpless. Jesus is sitting there and we're beside him and we're looking at the same crowd and, and Jesus is looking over them and he sees every time they've been messed up, every time they've been hurt, every wound that they're carrying, every physical infirmity. He sees some people and they're walking with a limp. He sees others and maybe they're, they're in a rudimentary wheelchair type thing or, or maybe there's this guy over on this side of the hill and he can't even walk. His friends are actually carrying him on a mat because they heard one time this guy did that and Jesus said, pick up your mat. And so they're gonna follow him because maybe Jesus will look at him and say, hey, pick up your mat. So they're bringing him and you just see all of these people confused and helpless. And you feel the love of Jesus just pouring out of his heart. And he sees them, those who are in darkness and those who are in despair, those who are hurting, those who are confused. And his heart is just breaking in that moment for them. Now, let's leave Jesus on the hillside for a moment and let's join the crowd. Do you remember? For those of you in the room, do you remember? Maybe that's a time you're in right now. But, but if it's not, do you remember when you were there, when life was kicking your tail, man? Like life, life came up and sucker punched you and laid you out. You didn't know what to do. And you're just, you're left like these people. You're left confused 
and helpless. You remember that time when you just felt stuck? When you felt like you were just, you were in this desert season or this wilderness season. And you weren't really, like, you knew God was present maybe, but you weren't really hearing his voice and things weren't working out and you felt beat down and you felt like nothing was going your way. Jesus looks out over the crowds and he, he just discerns all of that. And, and Matthew even says, he says, they were like sheep without a shepherd, which is such an incredible description. It comes from the Old Testament. It's the way that the prophets would describe Israel when, when she had no king and when she had no prophet to lead her as a nation. They were like sheep without a shepherd. What does that look like? That looks like confused and helpless, open to any attack, open to any harassment that the enemy would come along and dish out. And Jesus looks out over them and his heart is moved inside of him. Compassion is flowing out of him. And so he grabs his followers. He says, guys, guys, come close. I need you, I need you to get close to me. Come here, come here, come here. Pull it in. Come here, come here, guys. Bring it together. And then verse 37, he says this. He said to his disciples, let's go to verse 37. Yeah, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great. Remember, he's looking out over the crowd. He's looking out over every, every impossible situation that exists in front of him. And he says, guys, bring it in. Bring it in. We're, we're, we're finishing up this section of our ministry uh, tour. And, and I, need to, I need to share some insight with you guys. Bring it in, bring it in. Guys, look. The harvest is great, guys. Team, the harvest is great, but the workers, <laughs> y'all, the workers are few. It's, it's like Jesus is wanting to share such a profound insight with his team that he pulls them close. And he says, guys, there's so many. There's so many lost. There's so many hurting, broken people around us. And fellas, you got to get the right vision for this. They're ready. They're ready to come to know God. They're seeking out life. They want to know. They're ready. But the problem, fellas, I need more workers. I need more workers. I need my brothers and sisters to get this, guys. I need you to understand, fellas, they're ready, but they need workers. I want to share three thoughts with you this morning about the harvest. Three thoughts, very simple, about the harvest. Thought number one, the harvest is here. The harvest is here. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, say, the harvest is here. Turn to the person on the other side and say, the harvest is here. Jesus... Jesus grew up among country people, like agricultural, salt-of-the-earth farmers. And Jesus would know instinctively the, the, the rhythm of agricultural life. And so what would happen is, is, you know, for us in the springtime, you plant the seed in the ground and then the farmer tends to the, to the crop and, and weeds and prepares for the fall when harvest time comes. And, and the excitement around harvest time. Like harvest time was a time of great joy because you had been waiting. You had been waiting so long to finally reap what you put in the ground months ago. And so just the other day, 
I was sitting at that intersection, uh, Volvo and, and Battlefield, just working my way back home. Uh, I'd been out running some errands and stuff. And, and you know, you're, sometimes that light can take like forever, right? Especially if you're coming from the low side. And I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and I'm just watching car after car zip up and down. And I'm just, and I'm seeing the cars. And then suddenly, this is, sounds, may sound real weird to you. Suddenly, I stopped seeing the cars and I started seeing the people in the cars. And I thought, and I had this thought, and it was the weirdest thought. I thought, they're in Hampton Roads too. I know it sounds really weird. Like, this is how Jesus and I hang, right? I like, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. They're here. They're in Hampton Roads too. And I wonder, God, do they even know? Do th- these people that I'm watching just drive up and down, do they know that there's a God who loves them? Do they know that there is a love, not just, there's not just that God loves them, but there is a love that is seeking to find them. Do they know that person driving, do they know that there's a grace that wants to free them from whatever's holding them down? Do they know there's a power that wants to fill them? Or do they think that all of life is just waiting at intersections, waiting for the next light to turn, going from place to place? Do they, do they know, God, do, do they do they even know that a church like ours exists? Not that there aren't, 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 aren't tons of churches in our area that are good and, 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 and are leading people to the worship of the only God. Yes, Lord, but do they know that there's a church like this who understands that the reason that we exist is to lead them into a lifelong pursuit of your presence? God, do they, do they know? And that's when the Lord told me, he said, he said, son, the biggest problem with the harvest isn't the harvest. It's that so many of my kids can't see it. The biggest problem with the harvest isn't with the harvest. It's that we don't have eyes to see what's right in front of us. My mom used to say, like some of your moms or dads probably used to say this. I grew up in a, in a country area of southern West Virginia. And she would say like, uh, she would say, you wouldn't know blank and just fill in the blank, right? You wouldn't know blank if it came up and hit you right upside the head. It's a good country saying, but, <laughs> and I think, I think for some of us, we wouldn't know harvest if it came and hit us right upside the head. Because we don't, we don't have eyes to see it. Do you have eyes to recognize the harvest? Because if the devil can keep you from recognizing it, then he can keep you from reaping it. If the devil can keep you from seeing it, He can keep you from receiving it. And so often, what God calls harvest, check this out, we call problems. We call them problems. And when the church, not our church, I don't think so, but when the church as a whole, when when, when she is known more for who we are against than the gospel that we share, we've lost sight of the harvest. We've lost sight of the harvest. When the church is known for being against this and that and him and her and this celebrity and this political figure and that message, when when our message is just, if we could get rid of all the sin in the world, then we'd have revival. Do you know who that sounds like? Pharisees. That was the Pharisees' message. If we could just get rid of the sin in Israel, God would restore the kingdom to us. How many many churches are known for that message? If we could just get rid of all the sinners in America, 
we'd have revival. We call them problems. God calls them a harvest. And he's asking us, can you see? Do you see that there are people all around you and they're ripe? They're ripe. What, what makes a person ripe? So often, it's life experience. Something go, happens. See, what happens is we want to harvest people who aren't ripe yet. And so we spend all of our energy on people who's, let's just face it, they're good right now. They're not confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They don't know that their thing doesn't work. <laughs> but the people so often, the way, the way people are ripened to the response of the gospel is, is life hits them. Life smacks them in the face and they recognize, you know what? This ain't working anymore. My, my way, my God is failing me. I put my trust in this and it's not coming through. I put my trust in my money and I got laid off. I put my trust in this identity that culture told me that was mine because of my sexuality. And now I still feel as lonely and as broken as before. I put my identity in all these places and it's not working. And you know what that is? That's ripe. Do this. I had a friend tell me this just the other day. We were having, we were having coffee at, a, at Barnes & Noble, and he said, I like to hang out in the self-help section. You want to find some right people? Hang out in the self-help section. Because they're looking, man. They're like, my thing doesn't work. I need some help. And the easiest way to tell if somebody is right to the gospel is to look for, for these three things. And, 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 and just... Real quickly, I want to share them. Uh, call them the three knots. When you're talking to somebody and they're like, hey, man, it's not going well. Bam. Hey, wait a second. This person might be ready for the gospel. Life has, life has taken a turn and it's not going well for them. And you know how you respond to that? Tell me more. <laughs> man, I'm sorry to hear that. What's going on? And then you just listen. And here's how you respond, because sometimes we get so nervous, like, oh, gosh, if I ask, am I going to have the right words to say? Chill, okay? Scripture says that when you get in that kind of position, the Holy Spirit will fill your, words with the words, will fill your mouth with the words you need in the moment. So just relax, and here's what you do. Tell me more about that. Oh, and you, you let your heart break for them. You feel their hurt, and then you let compassion pour out. And you know what compassion looks like? I know how you feel. I went through something like that too. And when I went through that, I don't know how I would have made it if it wasn't for my faith in Jesus. You, you don't have to push it on them. Hey, I just know this is what worked for me, man. Tell me more about your story. What's going on? I, things aren't going well. Things are not going well. I was not prepared for this. How many of us have heard our, our coworkers say that? Like something happens and they're just like, man, we had, that, we had that second kid, bro, and I was not prepared. Oh, really? Tell me what's going on, man. Like, how late are you staying up, dude? How much sleep are you getting lately? And you just hear their story. Man, when I was in that time, that thing that got me through was my friends kept just kept praying for me. And, and I don't know where I got the strength to make it through those days, but there's strength for you. Do you mind if I just pray for you? The, the, the God I believe in will just give you the strength that you need to get through this. So, so things are not going well. I was not prepared for this. And this one, this one's real obvious. I'm not going to church anywhere. I'm not going to church anywhere. Okay. Tell me, did you used to go somewhere? Have you ever been? Would you like to come with me? You just listen for those things. Things are not going well. Things are, I was not prepared for this. I'm not going to church anywhere. When you hear that, you're like, wait a second. That person might be ripe 
And so we can reap, here's the crazy thing. We can reap now what years ago somebody sowed in the ground. If we open our eyes and can see it. If we can see the heart, if we're looking for the harvest here and now. Number two, so the first one is the harvest is here. The second one is God needs workers. Workers. Harvest is so easy to misunderstand. Because here's the thing, like in a church like ours, like, you know, Pentecostal church, charismatic church, you hear harvest and it's like, breakthrough! Wow! I can't, I can't scream like that. I shouldn't try or I'll start coughing and I won't be able to finish the message. When we talk about harvest, a lot of times it's like what we're actually, what we think in our minds is holy hookup. Like God's got a blessing for me and I'm about to receive my harvest. I'm going to just, just bask in the heart. And listen, listen, listen. To a farmer, that makes no sense. How many of you, come on, just be honest, like you grew up on a farm or you're, you have uh, experience farming? I have no experience farming. Anybody? I'm not talking about just like cucumbers in your backyard and tomatoes beside your house, okay? That cut, that cut it, that cut it. Farming. Anybody? A few people? It's cool. Here, here's when I heard this one farmer say, the harvest is the hardest work. The harvest might be the hardest part because to a farmer, harvest is joy. It's like, yes, joy, it's exciting. We're finally reaping what we've been waiting on for weeks and months. But, but here's the thing, it's hard work because the days are long and you gotta get up early and you gotta stay up late because you can't reap a harvest while you're sitting on your behind in your living room watching Netflix. You can't because if you do that, when the harvest is ripe, if you don't get out and work it, it's going to rot in the field. We don't want the harvest to rot in the field. Why did Jesus talk so much? Why did Jesus say workers, laborers are few? Because the harvest takes work. <laughs> it takes work to bring in the harvest. It, workers are needed so the harvest doesn't sit unharvested. My dad used to say, because one of my chores growing up was that I had to cut the grass. And so on Saturday, when I was too busy like playing Nintendo or too super Tecmo Bowl or something, my dad would bust in my room and say, son, that grass ain't going to cut itself. True. It's absolutely true. And I think what Jesus is telling us is like, hey, sons and daughters, it's not going to harvest itself. It's not going to harvest itself. This isn't a drive-through. I'll have the harvest combo number two, supersized. It's not how it works. It's not how any of this works. Jesus is looking at the multitudes and he sees them and they're like fields, just white, ready to be harvested. He looks at the, he looks at the, the multitude and, and the image that comes into his mind, the metaphor is, man, that harvest, it's great, it's plentiful, it's ready. It's like a field full of wheat. Then he looks at his disciples and he says, guys, they're like a field full of wheat with nobody to harvest it. Guys, they're ready. They're ready and they're waiting for God to, to act and move. But, but who's going to tell them about the love, grace, and power and that the kingdom is near unless God sends workers into the harvest field? So number three, number one, the harvest is here. Number two, God needs workers. Number three, we all have a part to play. 
We all have a part to play. Like a jigsaw puzzle. Doesn't make sense until all the pieces are in the right place on the table. And it's all put together. So in one hand, on one hand, this sermon is a, hey, get your serve on. Like, step up. Some of you got leadership giftings you need to embrace and step in and, and walk in. And some of you have ability that you haven't tapped into yet. But Jesus gives us a next step that's even before that. Look at this. Jesus tells us the first part we have to play. We all have a part to play. Every one of us. And Jesus gives us our next step in verse 38. Look what he says. So pray. Verse 38. It's in the Bible. Look at it yourself. If you don't believe what's on the screen, look it up on your own phone. Verse 38. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. All right. Pause. Stop the recording. What? Think about this. If I'm the leader, if I'm Jesus, and I'm looking at the broken, I'm looking at the hurting, the discouraged, the, the, the messed up, the jacked up, all the people that are following me, I'm going to ask these people to pray. Hey, hey, we need to pray, guys, and we need to pray that they would be open to the gospel. That's what I'm telling them. I, if I'm pulling my, my team together, I'm like, hey, hey, listen, the harvest is great. The workers are few. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray that God would give us the right strategy to reach those people so that we don't offend them, but we make the gospel attractive. Or, or we might say, hey, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to, to do what the Holy Spirit does, which is convict people and draw them to Jesus. But he doesn't say any of that. Jesus doesn't ask his team to pray for any of that. In fact, he doesn't ask him to pray for the harvest at all. He says, guys, if this is going to break down, if this mission is going to get off course, if we don't realize the potential of what I'm doing in you and through you, it won't be because of them. It won't be because, because they didn't respond. And listen, if this thing breaks down, it's not because the Holy Spirit isn't powerful enough to convict people of sin and to show them the light of Jesus Christ. If, if there's a problem with this thing, it's not him. And listen, if, there's a, if, 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 there is, if there is a problem with reaping the harvest, it won't be because you don't have the right method. It won't be because, because you didn't package it with the right packaging. If this thing breaks down, listen, if this thing breaks down, Jesus pulls his people together. He says, if this thing breaks down, it does so with the laborers and the workers. It's us. So here's what Jesus says. He says, hey, here's what we've got to do. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. And we've got to beg God. God, send out more sons and daughters into the field. Jesus looks at the harvest and he says, he says hey, hey, Peter, John, James, Matt, Matthew, we, we could do something about that. We've got the answer that they need. We can do something. That hopeless person, we've got the hope for them. That discouraged person, we've got life to give them. We've got the grace. We've got the power. We've got the truth. We've got all of that. So guys, before we go try to reap in the harvest, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to get on our face and pray. What we're going to pray about Jesus, we're going to pray that God stirs it in more and more people's hearts to be workers in the field. 
Very rarely in scripture does Jesus actually tell us what to pray. He does it in the Lord's prayer, but he doesn't often do it. But here he does. He says, I want you to pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. This is his field. These are his seeds that were sown. I want you to pray to him. I want you to get into the presence of God and let his heart change yours. See, that's what happens when we pray. When we get in the presence of God, we, we get in his presence and we pray and we start seeing the heart of the Father for the people in the crowd. And we start hearing the heartbeat and we start seeing the compassion and it starts changing our heart and suddenly we realize that we are the answer to our own prayers. But we can't go out there until we meet with him in here. You see, it's not like we're the only people who have ever feared rejection. Because a lot of times it's like, nah, I really want to want to be used by God, but you know, I'm really nervous. Like, what if the what if I share and they don't like, like they don't accept that and they they like turn. Like, I don't want to be rejected. Listen, we're not the only people to to deal with that. The disciples dealt with that, but they didn't they didn't replace their fear of rejection by coming up with schemes and strategies to make the gospel more uh, palpable to people's taste buds. They didn't, they didn't scheme ways to just slide the gospel in unnoticed. You know what they did? They got in the presence of God until the passion and, and compassion of Jesus was burning in their heart through frequent encounters with the presence. And so that displaced, because what does Scripture say? What, what turns fear out of doors? Perfect love. Where do you find perfect love? In the relationship with the Father. And so Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to pray because when you pray, you meet with God. You have an encounter with God and God changes you and you become the solution to the prayer that you're praying. And so listen, this whole sermon has been one big giant announcement for the 21 days of prayer. 21 days of prayer. Tomorrow, we kick off our prayer nights, Mondays and Wednesdays, man, seven o'clock. Let's, let's, let's take a chance and just take Jesus at his word. What if we just said, all right, Jesus, you told us to pray that the, that the, that the Lord of the harvest would send out workers. What if we just said for 21 days, like that's our, that's our focus. We're just going to pray for God to send out workers. And as we pray and get in his presence, what if he starts changing us and we become the workers that we're praying for? It could happen. It'd be awesome. But we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait until tomorrow night to start praying. No. 21 days of prayer starts right now. Starts today. I have to wait until tomorrow at 7 o'clock to, to, to ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into this field. We can pray right now. Like we can go before the Father right here and right now and seek after him and, and, and go after him and ask him, Lord, would you, would you send workers out, God? And if it's me, then change my heart. Let me be filled with compassion for you. See, here's what I've discovered in my life. The most pivotal moments, the most transformational moments of my life have taken place in an altar. Well, can't I just pray in my seat? Yes, you can. Absolutely. It's totally fine. But there's something that happens. And I'm just telling you this from personal experience. 
I haven't done my yoga squats in a long time, so bear with me. Something happens when you're just sitting in your chair and you're like, God, I think you're talking to me. And you stand up and you walk forward. I'm telling you, man, when you move in the physical, God does something in the spiritual. And, and, and there might be, listen to me, as you walk up here, there might be people that you've seen as problems because of sinful, sinful attitudes, racism, prejudice, gender, gender, whatever issue, like, like you don't like women and stuff. And so, or you don't like men, you've got like a, an abuse problem from a dad. And so you don't like, you have all these wounds. I'm telling you, man, there's just something about getting up and recognizing God, you're calling me to spend some moments and some time in the altar praying, not for the harvest, but that you would send workers into the harvest. I'm going to get into your presence and every step that you take, I'm believing I'm talking to somebody. I don't even know who you are here this morning. Every step you take, there's going to be things that break off of your heart that have been holding you down. It's like your heart has been encased in a shell and and because of wounds and, and victimization that has happened to you in the past, compassion has not been able to flow out of you because it's trapped in your in your rock heart. But this morning, every step that you take towards this altar is going to be another piece of that rock heart that gets replaced with a heart of flesh fulfilling the prophecy of, of Ezekiel. And it's God's going to do a change in your life and it happens listen it can happen in your seat but something takes place when you move in the physical and you meet God here in a place called the altar so here's what I want you to do we're going to take the next five or so minutes if you need special prayer today you need God to come through with a, with a miracle or a breakthrough. When you come up here, just let somebody know. Our prayer team will be up here. we got several people. I think Johan and Kristen are in here. Uh, Dave and Amy, you're welcome to, to pray with people as well. Uh, Kim, and I don't know who else is in here. But, but if you just see one of us, like grab us and we'll pray for you. But I think it would be a good idea to just start 29 days of prayer right now. And so here's what I, if God is stirring your heart, And you're ready. You're ready to be mobilized. You're ready to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send some workers in the field. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up from where you're sitting. Make your way down to the front. Kneel down and encounter God. As Pastor Hope plays and and sings, if that's you, I want you to come. I want you to stand up right now. I'm not going to, listen, I'm not going to make this easy. Most of the time, it's like everybody stand and so nobody feels uncomfortable. Right now, I want to make you feel uncomfortable because I, I, I think that there's something that will break off of you when you respond. So would you do that? If you're ready, if you're just ready to pray for the harvest, not for the harvest, you're ready to pray the Lord of the harvest to send workers. I want you to stand up where you are and just make your way up here. Kneel down, come on. Come on, let's spend some time, church, just praying. We're going to be doing this for the next 21 days. But let's just spend some time going after the heart, going after the heart of the Father. Come on, if he's stirring in your Thank life. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. 
Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.